0: Hello and welcome to the EG Property Podcast with me, EG Editor Sam McCleary, and the first of three EG Interview Lives, recorded, well, live, at EG's Pavilion out at MIPIM 2023. This EG Interview is with Managing Director of Leveling Up at the Office for Investment, Tim Nunes. Now, Tim is a man who knows a thing or two about inward investment. Prior to his appointment at the Office for Investment, he was Chief Executive of MIDAS. Manchester's inward investment agency and with his team successfully brought billions of pounds of investment to the city region. Now he has to repeat that success on a national scale. So listen in as we talk about how the work he is doing now will secure genuine transformational investment for the rest of the country and how through his collaborative role he can help governmental departments work more closely together to really level up the UK. Enjoy.
1: Well, c- come and take a seat enjoy a very intimate discussion between uh, me the editor of eg sam mccleary and uh, tim newton's managing director of leveling up for the office of investment and um tim it, it's really great to have you here who wants minister not us we want you <laughs> uh, um and i'd just love to i guess sort of find out a little bit more about about Tim and um, your previous role we talked about you earlier this morning actually at, at Midas and the, the great work that you did there bringing in so much investment into, into um, the Greater Manchester area and now you've got to um, spread the love I suppose um, across the whole of the country so tell us a little bit about your time at Midas and then wh- how you're going to bring some of that into this role um, in the department
2: um, well, well first of all the success with Midas was very much a team affair, uh, not just because I've got a former colleague here, but um, it was I was really, really lucky to have some brilliant people and, uh, but also be part of, uh, and we we did used to call it, well still is called, the Manchester family and it felt like a family, you know everyone was absolutely in it together aligned, whether it's public, private, academic sector um, it, it felt like a real team effort and I think that keeps you really motivated, it keeps you really focused and it helps you do that To the wider team as well, so um, you know we were able to add our sort of um, our energy and specialism, if you like, into that mix in terms of you know how to actually promote, attract, and deliver FDI, which is you know the actual securing uh, the investment is often the hardest part, not just promoting and getting interest. But actually, getting deals done, and I think we were always, or, and again, I'm and sh- sure Midas still is just very deal orientated. Really, it was about getting it over the line and making, you know, finding a solution, sort of, uh, uh, to make sure we could we could win the investment.
1: And and we were talked earlier as as well, and particularly about Manchester. And Manchester knew what it wanted as well. And it knew how to it knew the message it needed to give to get that deal over the the line. And perhaps not everywhere across the UK has that, has that message sorted yet. So I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about the role you have now and whether that's something that you're going to take from city to city to say, let's find out your story and let's um, see how we communicate that.
2: Yeah, I think that's it. And, And it does really excite me working with other places as well. Um, it, uh, you know, we, we all um, come from various different parts of the UK. You know, my wife's from East Yorkshire. My my father was from now Went to school, uh, went to university in the northeast. Um, the other side of the family are from, well, partly from Romania, partly from Merseyside, and then a load of my family live in the south. So you know, um, y- you feel very much part of the whole of the UK, I think. And uh, so in that sense, it, it's a privilege to sort of. Um, look after the whole of the UK, but I think in, in terms of um, how we work with other places, there are already other places that are very good at it as well, and sort of followed the model we had in, in Manchester, which uh, the West Midlands have, uh, are doing a great job, I think, at the moment very much on our model. Um, I think there's a number of former, Manchester people actually in their team uh, to fulfil that bl- blueprint, but you know, working with the North East, uh, they're really on form. I think Newcastle uh, looking at how they use strategic partnerships really well, so it's it's the structure of what they're doing that I think is the interesting thing for me. Um, what what I've always believed in is, as you said, really having a real clear view of what focusing on, and ideally focusing on a few things and and being very you know very successful on those things, if you like, rather than trying to boil the ocean. Now that does become much more difficult when you're dealing at a UK level and there are so many different industries and subsectors we could tackle. And so I think the slight advantage I have working in the Office for Investment rather than the whole department is that the Office for Investment can actually focus on slightly fewer sort of almost um, government moonshot-type projects almost. So, you know, for example, uh, winning gigafactories, uh, you know, securing certain offshore wind, looking at green steel, you know, these types of things... Are things that um, are quite sort of discrete deliverables almost, and so in terms of the office for investment aspect of what I'm doing, um, we can be really focused on those things, which is positive. And then working with the wider department, what I'm trying to do from a levelling up perspective, I suppose, is is really de- define what are we trying to achieve more clearly. So levelling up is a really broad term, and I think with the department, you know, um, it's seen as Increasing general investment numbers outside London and the south east. But lo- leveling up for me is much more complex than that, really. Um, that's that's a, a way to quickly pivot to try and add some of that value, if you like, to, to look at the numbers outside. But you've got to look at the value, you've got to look at what type of investment. And so, what I'm trying to do at the moment is to get more research behind uh those objectives, if you like, to say. We, we know that capital intensive investment has a much higher economic multiplier effect, for example. Um, we know that that in the long term creates more agglomeration, more jobs. And therefore, we need to look at specifically what are the sectors, the subsectors, the markets that provide that high capital intensity of investment, and then really zero in and what parts of the UK have the propositions that can attract that. Potentially, where. We don't have that, and how we can work to build those as well. But that's what I'm going to be doing, certainly over the next 12 months, um, as well as that concierge service, if you like, for for major investments, which the team, all of us, work on. Um, It's also working with the mayoral combined authorities, the regions, the nations as well, and really trying to build their investment propositions uh, to a level of sort of detail... That we can really then nail down who the key targets are for us nationally, um, but within, as I say, that capital-intensive space, to then hopefully attract transformational investment.
1: And do, do enough of those cities have an idea of of, of how to get there? You know, do, do enough of them know what it is that they they need to be be talking about? Or are you finding that you're you're travelling around the around the country now and uh, and being greeted by blank blank faces?
2: No, de- definitely not greeted by blank faces. I think um, I think most places know what they're strong in. Uh, I think one of the challenges we have is the difference between what people are, and what places are strong in now and where they have aspirations to be strong in the future. And I think also how people interpret data as well in terms of strengths. So, and I think this this is where, from an investor angle, it becomes more challenging when they potentially look at the UK and they hear from many, many places that they are expert in you know, quite a broad subject area like life sciences, let's say. Um, and it can be quite confusing as to where these clusters really are, and particularly where the clusters that they're seeking in terms of their, their own innovation programmes or, or you know, where they, they're seeking the sort of service or manufacturing opportunities that they want. So I think what we're trying to do, and again, actually, the new Department for Science and Uh, innovation and uh, technology has commissioned quite an interesting open data research piece to look at mapping innovation clusters across the UK. Mm -hmm. And I think what we're trying to get to is almost like a single version of the truth so that we can then show that heat map across different clusters, different research strengths and present something much more sort of unified to investors in that sense Uh, It's good for government because it means we can steer them to where those existing clusters are. What what it doesn't necessarily do, and this is where individual places tell a fantastic story, is is talk people through their ambitions. And sometimes that's just as compelling as a place that's got existing strengths. Mm. But, you know, some companies really want to be part of that journey with a place and want to be the first ones in to take full advantage of that university relationship or that talent pool. And that's, I think, where we can really try and differentiate between what is an existing strength of the place, where the future ambition is, and just differentiate our approach between those two different sides.
1: And and you've obviously been out here for for the for the week. Here is a place where investors get together. You know, um, the cities are here, government is here because it wants to talk to those to those people wants to bring that investment in i'm really keen to hear from hear from you whether the conversations you're having here um are sort of being fed by what you've just you know do they want to see that heat map to look at the whole of the uk and think we want to come to the uk and then do they dig down deeper into well actually this this um sector really piques my interest i'm going to go here and uh, are you the the hand guiding them around around the country
2: um i suppose a lot of the meetings i've had people are interested in the whole of the uk and you know that's probably more they're the ones that are keenest to meet me in my role so it's <laughs> probably slightly sort of distorted that picture um but there are pl- there are certainly plenty of investors uh looking at wider uk and i think And that's across different segments as well. So we've seen a number of industrial specialists, for example, and they're definitely pan-UK. Residential specialists, and just coming from a meeting earlier, where they were absolutely looking at regions because that's where they felt the value was. Um, They were staying actually away from London in that case uh, just because um, they they felt for their business model, that's what suited, suited them best in that sense. Uh, I mean, London obviously is a, a fantastic investment opportunity. So I'm not uh, not saying anything. Just in terms of you know that particular investment model that suited them. Uh, and then you know on the on the office on the innovation side, um, obviously we had the announcement of investment zones yesterday as well, which has piqued some interest because you know that a that could provide infrastructure to certain major developments. So developers and uh, investors were interested from that side in terms of actually building a more commercially viable product, if you like, outside, you know, it, across different areas of the country. Um, but also the incentives that will be part of an investment zone will also help attract those end users. Mm. So, you know, it, it makes those propositions from a developer or a landowner perspective just significantly more attractive. So so I think... Um, but, but then again, I have also had conversations or heard conversations where... You know, people are very by the by to just say, oh, yeah, you know, we're investing in Oxford, Cambridge and London. And then straight away they're on to and here, here, here in Europe type of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like they've not considered anything else. And I think that there is market failure there in the UK at the moment in terms of the profile of places outside the Golden Triangle. Mm -hmm. Um, There are fantastic yields and uh, investment opportunities to be had. But as I say, at the moment, the market failure is just that that data isn't getting to those investors um, as quickly, as sharply presented as it could.
1: And who do we need to help, apart from you, your good self, obviously, who do we need to help amplify that that, that message? Because, you know, the data is there, I suppose. We haven't... We haven't quite pulled it together uh, in the right way yeah but who do we do we need to bring our cities together do we need do we need you do we need the the minister over in the other place uh, um, talk, talking passionately like he did here yesterday about like, just c- come in and see all this and and how do we how do we really vocalise what it is that the UK has to offer
2: so, so definitely it's a closer working relationship between national and local government if you like or places should I say uh, and that's certainly one thing that I'm... You know, having worked at the local, re- regional level, I, I know what the capabilities are at a local level, and there's huge capabilities there that aren't always harnessed by national government. And I, I don't think that's anything... You know, there's no derogatory feeling towards them, necessarily, at national... I think just, you know, people just exist in their own space and, and don't necessarily fully appreciate what, what other parties can do. So I'm trying to bring... Uh, certainly, the Merrill Combined Authorities as a group together, the M- M10 as the sort of known, we had a meeting about four weeks ago with them and, and the Minister um, about how we work on developing um, UK product, I think we called it. So, you know, how do we help them develop those crisper, more commercial, investable propositions uh, and actually form a task force to go around and do that with them? Um, so, that's something really focused. But I think. We know that places that have an IPA are more successful at attracting investment. You know, there's so much research out there that, that that shows that. Therefore, individual places with strong IPAs is to be encouraged, and therefore, as a national IPA, if you like, how we sort of corral that together and use that, as you say, to sort of amplify, you know, times a hundred what they can do. I think that's that's what we've got to try and do. Um, but again as I say, having the clarity of message, having the detail behind it. And don't get me wrong, you know, we've got got—we've got analysts, you know, the data is there of a company approach as we can present them with that data. It's not that the government doesn't have it. It's just, uh, I just think there's, you know, we can develop the way we d- deliver that basically and the way we, we show that and promote that on an ongoing basis. Um, and part of that is as well is is maybe switching away from us just promoting sectors, which we've done more of in the past, and combine that with both a place and a sector type promotional piece. But if we can raise pro- profile of places, then they will naturally attract more investment. So that's one of our challenges.
1: Is there um, a conversation to be had as well around the the wide reaching impact of it, investment? You know, if you're coming over here to invest in logistics, for example, it's not really just about the shed that you've you've built. Um, are, are you trying harder to to describe to both places and to those investors the impact that they can have here?
2: Yeah, I, I feel like I've become a, a bit of an advocate for logistics. i made <laughs> the, the <laughs> meeting I had with logistics this week. They've been quite pleased how positive I am about logistics. It's very often thought of as a low-value sector. Um, I think both nationally and locally. Um, and it's really not. You know, I mean, A, it's a sort of a piece of critical infrastructure for us. I think everyone will realise that during the pandemic without our logistics capabilities, Mm. you know, it would have been a whole lot worse, a whole lot worse on so many different levels. Um, So, but also I think if you go to any modern logistics operation, I I mean, their technology centres, they're incredible. I mean, I've um, been into a number, I went to the Amazon centre at Manchester Airport and it's um, a they're looking at novel ways to sort of reduce land take so that's got I think two mezzanines and they've turned a 270,000 square foot um, shed into a million square foot shed by just putting those mezzanines in Um, but then it's all completely robotized and it's absolutely mesmerizing to go in there and see these robots essentially just you know completely delivering this incredible logistic solution and so Actually, the employees that are there, um, there's a complete blend of different jobs to very high-tech technical jobs, dealing with the robotic side of things, programming, all these different things. And yes, there are still some entry-level jobs there as well, but actually, you know, that's useful too. Uh, And certainly in that centre, you have Withenshaw on the north side of the airport, which is one of the poorest um, and certainly economically challenged areas of the UK. With huge potential but nonetheless that and then on the south side of the airport you have one of the wealthiest areas in the UK in sort of Edge and you know football or central Mm -hmm. Um, but therefore being able to offer a a range of jobs but many of them very high value is actually really important and Amazon you know we're delivering apprenticeships as well and they could take people through uh, entry-level roles but right up into those high-level jobs over time which you know, is is fantastic from a an accessibility perspective and a, a sort of economic um, you know an economic development perspective in in terms of skills. So, so um, yeah, I think I think logistics probably needs uh, the other thing as well is their energy centres now as well. So many of them have solar panel roofs. So again, I think one of those in Wakefield that we were discussing is uh, creates forty percent of its own energy through the solar panels um and you know some of them now are looking at quite complex storage solutions for energy that they can, uh, you know be contributors to the grid or to certain local communities therefore you know the complexities around logistics and looking at final mile how we sort of break up distribution on the fringes of urban areas and deliver the final mile through electric vehicles so you've got that sort of reducing congestion but also reducing emissions and carbon footprints you know the, the Massive opportunities for investment and innovation in that sector. So, I think it it, it does doesn't get the press it deserves. I would say. Um, I think it's easy to write it off as sort of low value jobs when actually, as I say, um, I'm quite a big advocate for it, <laughs> as you can tell.
1: <laughs> um, listening to you talk there, um, talking about sort of energy, talking about infrastructure, uh, we over the course of the last few days we've we've talked here quite a lot about public private partnership. that sounds to me that there also needs to be public-public partnership. Are you um, trying to bring departments together so that we can help bring more investment in and and, and level up the the UK? And how's that going?
2: Um, I I think it's going well. I think you might ask the departments, maybe they disagree. But um, I think you're absolutely right. So we've just signed this week as well to uh, trailblazer devolution deals with the West Midlands and Greater Manchester, um, and they cover a suite of different uh, agendas, you know, from skills, transport, uh, and trade and investment was one of those as well. And sort of I was um, leading on that for our department uh, because of my role. Um, and, and that we are committing to closer working with them to developing, you know, a, a co-designed, co-developed trade investment plan with them. And then looking at joint delivery of those things as well. So that sort of national to local piece, again, is being cemented through those deals. But then in terms of cross-department, I mean, that's what the Office for Investment is all about. So it was formed a couple of years ago, mainly because there was a feeling that for the, for the sort of mega-investment deals, if you like, the really strategic deals, government wasn't quite aligned enough to deliver those. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, the idea was to have this unit that, that was attached to Number 10 Downing Street that had the convening power of the Prime Minister and could therefore go across Whitehall and pull in who we needed to and just align them behind those projects and those opportunities. Um, and so there's now 20 of us with a, with a blend of different experiences from, you know, ultimate sort of Whitehall mandarins who are incredible, and I could just listen to all day long, Um, through to, you know, we have someone that ran a hedge fund uh, previously, a really successful hedge fund, a global commercial lawyer. So it's a sort of, you know, real suite of different skill sets and experience that the idea being that essentially number 10 or the minister or whoever can throw pretty much any investment project at us or or problem almost with a, a large investment, and we'll be able to handle that at a senior level, and go into different government departments and sort that out, so something like Envision, for example, with Nissan was one of the first projects that the team delivered, and that was a range of different things. you know yes, there was about you know making the finances work for Nissan um, but also they were planning you know they had to remove a pylon from where they, you know, where they were actually going to site the factory and those things can take a lot of time ordinarily, but we were able to cut through some of that process and go straight into those departments at senior level. And, I mean, I saw it work on the other side of the fence before I left Manchester, and I was really impressed in terms of just what commitment we had from other departments to actually deliver that particular project that we were working on together. And, uh, and so having seen it from the other side, you know, I've not felt any pushback from any other department. Uh, it's, you know, they are really, really prepared to collaborate, which is great
1: that is great um and more more of it um we, we've only got a few minutes few minutes left um surprisingly it's gone very quickly uh, um i'm really keen uh, as well to understand from from you talking about that project there you know what's the scale of opportunity that that we have in this country for you know the officer investment to to really de- really deliver and how confident are you feeling about that
2: so, uh, and again, sort of with colleagues, I think we're all we're all massive optimists. Um, I suppose <laughs> you don't sunshine really sunshine <laughs> out here, <it's> everyone. <laughs> but you don't really get involved in, in 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 investment unless you are a massive optimist. I think. Well, certainly if you want to be successful, anyway. Um, and and even though there are massive challenges, and obviously there are there are big headwinds at the moment. Um, you know, the, there's a sort of challenging business environment, or certainly a perceived challenging business environment in the UK. Um, but we are you know government is looking at the where those various challenges are and trying to deal with those one by one so we've had the sort of british industry supercharger uh, project which is about you know reducing the sort of uh, energy burden on our 300 largest manufacturers for example uh, to make us more competitive we've had obviously investment zones which are hopefully to to incentivize and draw more business investment innovation particularly um, Freeports are doing similar for big exporters. So we're gradually trying to tackle those different things. But you know, people also talk about maybe where we've underinvested as a country uh, in the past, or you know where we might have missed the you know, offshore wind. Often get talked talked about in terms of well, you know, we've had these huge procurement opportunities, but we've not necessarily looked at UK content as strongly as, as we could have done to create the supply chains here. And some people feel that that's, that opportunity is missed. But actually, when you look at it, A, there's still quite a long way to go on offshore wind as we know it today. But then an absolutely enormous possibility around floating offshore wind that we've not even started yet. Mm-hmm. And we could be the world leader in that if we can make quick decisions. And government have been really innovative around regulation, actually. And, you know, it, it sometimes gets forgotten about in when talking about the competitiveness of the business environment, but through regulation, through creating some of the CFDs and energy, for example, that can drive that investment really, really strongly. And I think, you know, if we, can, if we can come forward with things like floating offshore wind, for example, then, you know, our eastern and western facing seaports um, that are facing off, if you like, to these huge wind farms could, could win massive, massive domestic um, investment opportunities from that. And, th- and that's where we're looking at the moment. You know, it's, we're not just looking at sort of what the standard investment types today. Obviously, digital's huge in the UK. But we're looking at quantum. We're looking at offshore floating wind. We're looking at, you know, all these different, you know, biosimilars, for example, and, and further in life sciences. So we're trying to look at what, what's going to be big in 10, 20, 30 years and how we can get in there now to make bring UK up to a critical mass of, of supply chain and industry which then you know essentially either makes us a market leader or gives us a sustainable supply chain that creates a gl- long-term and sustainable agglomeration yeah.
1: so i've got two two more questions before um, before i get thrown off sorry michelle's looking at me really scarily uh, um, one is um you mentioned that the perceived view of um the uk as you know m- maybe not the place to invest is that perceived? Are you ha- are people that you're meeting here saying, "I'm not sure I'm sure about that." Are you having to work a bit harder?
2: No, so so maybe maybe I phrase it badly actually. So I, I don't think that it's I don't think there's a perception that it's not a great place to invest, and you know it was still the top destination in Europe last year for investment. So I don't think that's the case. I, I think more just around um, you know there being some headwinds really and some challenges, uh, like say you know around energy prices and some of those types of things. So and that's where I mean some of its perception, some of its reality, and we're tackling those things. But but no, I, I think um I've not felt any negativity towards the UK this week, quite the opposite. I think um we we've seen confidence rise. I think in the EY attractiveness survey, the UK was voted, you know, number one by CEOs as an invest as an investment location in terms of attractiveness. So um and those headwinds are affecting everywhere. Um, But I suppose some of the things I'm thinking of are, you've got the Inflation Reduction Act in the US, you've got the CHIP Act in the US, you know, some really sort of big competitive sort of policy areas in different places and that's what we're you know, that's what we're sort of looking at now to think, right, well, how does the UK position itself? It's not necessarily about competing toe-to-toe on a financial basis, it's about where do we play in this? You know, so in in the Sort of chip act side. Well, do do we want to manufacture s- semiconductors here? I'd love us to, just because I know how many jobs are creating and the value of it. Um, but maybe it's unrealistic. But certainly the R and D side of it, we are brilliant in absolutely brilliant. You know, companies like ARM, uh, you know, Nexperia have a big presence in the north. Compound semiconductors down in Wales uh, and in the northeast as well. There's there's brilliance in R and D, and so maybe we concentrate on the R and D and build the high value aspect of that and leave those places that want to throw big money at the manufacturing to that, because, you know, who knows what the sustainability of that is.
1: So playing to your strengths. And final question, I promise I'll be quick, is uh, what does what does success look like for, for you? Massively successful, you and your team uh, um, at Midas. What does that look like for you here at the Office for Investment?
2: Um, I think it's bringing... Genuine transformational investment into places that haven't seen that, or not seen it for a number of years, which genuinely, genuinely changes the dial, or you know, moves the dial, if you like, in terms of productivity. So, you know, looking at a place, you know, Manchester is seen as a very successful city in the UK, but it it is still, um, you know, a lower productivity level than its European peers. Um, it's still a net drain on the treasury you know that even with that perceived success we've still got a long way to go to drive that last bit of productivity Mm. to really get everywhere bristol's a great example of a successful city that has um, reached that point um, because it's slightly more compact it's got a lot of high value industry there and therefore it can really drive that productivity you know cambridge is in the same space even smaller very high value so how do we do that with our big cities our really big cities like manchester and birmingham uh, and then some of our other cities that you know haven't necessarily got quite the high value um industry that lights bristol has and just drive those new industries like we're saying offshore wind into the northeast um you know some of the chemicals hydrogen industry into the northeast northwest all those different opportunities have the ability to drive that productivity up and so if i can see that dial having shifted however long it is uh, that I'm in this role, then I'll be really, really pleased.
1: Fantastic. To be a transformer is a dream for so many of us. Uh, um, Tim, I know you have to go catch a, catch a flight, um, but I know that you're also eager to talk to lots of, lots of people as well. But thank you so much for, for joining us for the live EG interview here at the EG Pavilion. Put your hands together for Tim.